Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. Allow me then a moment to consider. You seek your creator. I am looking at mine. I will serve you, yet you are human. You will die. I will not. Please hurry, there's something on board, please. Ferris, go again, you're breaking up. Lander one, repeat, I can't. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, you mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick Green, sounding a little bit different than usual because my mic broke, but I'm here, yes, and I'm very excited broke. to be here today Patrick with our special guest. I'm, I'm a broken man <laughs> this, this cold Friday. Man. It's a pleasure to be here, man. It is. It is. We have a special guest today, <laughs> Benjamin Rigby from Alien Covenant. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you and to see you in person because your, your presence in Covenant has gone on to be such a thing of legend within fandom and within science fiction films around the world. So it's kind of surreal seeing you here today, just like connecting from a regular room on a Zoom call <laughs> and not seeing you covered in horrifying makeup and, you know, spasming yeah. out. With shit lighting in my in my, uh, <laughs> in my bedroom, right. St- stacked on pillows, you know, my, <laughs> my laptop stacked on pillows. <laughs> but it really, it, it's, it's just a pleasure to have you. You are one of the most requested interviews we've had uh in terms of people wanting to talk to really you. that's amazing yeah. people wanting to break that scene down as you may or may not know we're in the midst of an ongoing miniseries exploration of covenant right now which is which is part of why we chose this as the moment to get a hold of you for this yeah and uh and your scene i mean you have many scenes in the film which we'll go through but of course the iconic scene just comes up over and over and over again whenever we have guests on you know people can argue about covenant and they can talk about whether they love the film or they don't as you probably know it's kind of a controversial movie for some people absolutely it should be everybody loves loves your scene <laughs> your, your big centerpiece scene so thank you for making the time for us today thank you so much for having me I, I i love to talk about this moment in my life it kind of changed my life in a big way so um yeah before we get into that i'm curious about your history in terms of being in acting and where that began i know you're from australia originally 
Yep. Okay. I grew up on the east coast of Australia, um, in a like a like a Florida equivalent, or like a Miami equivalent called uh, the Gold Coast. So really beautiful, lots of partying. You know, um, kind of the place that you go to, and you're like, people live here. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I went to drama school for three years in um, at a at a theater school um, in the country, which was only about two hours away, which had a great program. And then I finished that. I got an agent. I moved to Melbourne, and then did a bunch of you know pro bono short films and the odd TV slot. And I started my own theater company down there with a friend from my drama school alumni, and we put on shows for a few years, and then. Yeah, I lived in Melbourne for seven years, and then I I got covenant and moved to LA. Can you tell us a little bit about that drama company? Because my, my wife and I had one for a long time in Boston, oh, actually, and she was the one who stuck with it and ended up producing and directing. So I, I know how how difficult it can be to run independent theater in a big city like that. What was it like for you? Has that experience like stuck with you through subsequent work at all? Um, I mean, you always carry your experiences with you, and you'll be like oh i have that tool from that time in my life um but yeah we we produced like five shows over two years i really wanted to do this one play and in an art gallery and we did it and um then people came up to us after the show and they were like when's your next play and i was like oh i didn't even think of that and then we <laughs> bought the rights to another play and we did it and bought the rights to another play and we just like hired our friends and you know, we just did rehearsals like a few times a week and whenever we could, because it was all for free. Like we, I was still like pretty much on welfare at that point, like living in like a share house, like by the skin of my teeth. Like I didn't know what was going to be in the future at all. I just knew that I really wanted to put on some shows and be around good artists and be around people that I aspired to work with. So having some of those people work with us, I was super chuffed and then the more shows we did the more like high caliber people we could get and then the end of our fifth show i was like physically exhausted and i was like i don't know if i can get enough audiences to come to this over like making film so i started writing shorts and then I made a short that got into Palm Springs Film Festival and I was like, oh, well, and then I got a Vimeo staff pick and had like something like 30,000 views on Vimeo. And I was like, oh, okay. So that has way more people than a theater show could, but you know, like theaters for love films for money. Um, (laughs) If you want to look at it that way, um, they're all for love really. How do you transition? I mean, you're doing your shorts, you're writing your shorts, you, you, you're based in theater and you're kind of transitioning from one to the other. How do you do that? What is that like in Australia? Is that a different, whole different beast? I mean, in the States, as you very well know by this point, it's a not just a glass door, it's a steel door. And you can totally. make all the shorts that you want to do and you can even have some, some smaller success doing that. But yeah. moving into this place of having an agent and being cast in something more substantial is a big, big lift. So mm-hmm. what was that like for you? At that point, I I'd, I'd made the first 
few trips to Los Angeles. I, I came off the back of, I came here in 2014 um, for the first time. I was getting pretty frustrated in Melbourne um, with, there is a lot of opportunity there, but for, for a weirdo like me, it's kind of like there maybe wasn't enough. You know, I love genre. I I I, lo- I don't suit a lot of things, but when it does suit, it really does. Um, yeah, so I came to Los Angeles and I had like a little reel that I had made at the time and had a few meetings. And uh, luckily, a manager was really liked me and he ended up being a really good one. Um, and yeah, when the call for Covenant came around, I was doing like three self-tapes a week at least and back in Australia for American projects. And when I auditioned for Covenant, I was like, I've done so many of these this year. This is wild. Like I'm not going to get it and just kind of did it and looked at the pages. And I'd I'd love to say that I put a lot of time and effort into that audition, but I didn't. (laughs) It was, um, I, I feel like sometimes the best work you get is when it's like super fresh and, when you're that seasoned in doing auditions, it, it just kind of works a lot of the time. So yeah, I did that, threw it away. And apparently at first it was like, no, we're moving on. We don't want him. And then a few months later, I got a phone call. and was like, you're booked. And the wow. audition was nothing like what you see in the film. <laughs> like it wasn't, <laughs> I, it was a completely different character. It was like something else from another scene. I think so- we all had the same kind of audition and then they just went, I think Ridley's such a good director that he, I think he can just see potential where he needs to. And I'm grateful that he saw it in me. That's awesome. Um, were you, so when you uh, got the audition notice for this, you were kind of going through a lot. You were making a lot of tapes. You were just sort of, you know, churning away, trying to get, you know, the next sort of break in, in the industry. Was Alien something that was on your radar as like a passion from your youth or anything? Or was this just sort of another audition? What was it like? Um. I was always into like weird shit as a kid, but I, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily into sci-fi. Um, so when I got cast in Alien, it was I knew what Alien was because I'd seen it and I loved it, but I hadn't seen all of them. So I really had to go and like do my research and be like, oh, that one's bad. This one's good. Like I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't that much of a genre fan, but I. I love the genre community. The genre community is like super friendly and I like, I like that and really passionate. And I like anyone who's passionate about anything. You'd said you'd, you auditioned for another character. And then when it finally was happening, you, they informed you, Hey, we have this character in mind for you, which was Ledward. What was that? Like, I would imagine it's not like you're, you know, you're not playing any, you're not just like Dallas on this or Dallas, Tennessee on the ship. Um, and you're, you know, you have like a regular acting job per se. You're being fit with prosthetics. There's a whole different, there's a whole different wing of the production attending to you because of, because of the character that you're playing. What exactly. Was, what was that like? But even before you answer that, like, how did they come and sit down and say, okay, this is the part we want. This is the part we want you to play. And this is what it you'll be doing they kind of didn't they were like you've got a role in this we can't tell you what it is um (laughs) (laughs) he signed this contract i was like uh okay i was like who's the director they're like 
when I got the call, I was like, wait, what for, am I an extra? Am I getting offered the role of an extra or like what? Like, no, no, no. You have like a role as like a crew member on the ship. And I was, I didn't know what was going on. I literally thought I had a brain aneurysm for like two days. (laughs) I was, I was at work. I was, I used to work at a cinema in Melbourne. I was in the box office selling tickets and I, I was like, I need to take this call. I thought that my managers were dropping me. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I need to take this call. I like, God. And I like went and my agent called and she's like, you just got for the role. And I was like, whoa. And yeah, I remember riding home on my moped and just like screaming. I was like, <laughs> it's crazy. It changed my life. It was incredible. Um, but then when I, they're like in a couple of weeks, you're going to have to go to Sydney and get all these car like get a full body mold and stuff done and i was like i don't even know what this is like and so i got there and i'm like can you tell me like what this is they're like you've got a really good death you've got a really good death i'm like stop telling me i have a really good death like what happens and then like they're like here's we have to like do this prosthetic and they're like you might have something come out of your back i was like oh all right and then like the more and more I did stuff, the more kind of information came to me. And then maybe it would have been maybe two weeks before we went to boot camp. We got the script. And then just two weeks before boot camp. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And had you signed an NDA in there in that yeah. time period? So that so this this was all very tightly guarded, which is probably part mm-hmm. of why they were playing because mm-hmm. the chest. Can you um can you take us through that boot camp experience a little bit? I know we've you know read a little bit about it, but it was it was a couple of weeks, right? But it was two weeks. detail, yeah. Yeah, it was two weeks. Um it was wild. I mean, we were in like these big, obviously in the studios, but like fire. I mean, it's topical now, firing these like live blanks against a wall and there were like three armorers on this one for yeah they were like i remember at one stage they like had us pack our bat like our packs were fully packed as they would be for like an expedition so we had like everything in certain places and there was just so much attention to detail you know like a, it it really brought a lot of the people who had to be part of the security detail like together. And I think that was the main purpose of it. Um, and I didn't even use a gun in the thing. It was just like that maybe walking across a field, but they really wanted us to be in touch with those, with that armory and, and, and really, really know how to use those weapons. And you were trained on how to clean them and break them down and assemble them and stuff too. Right. So the whole, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and then when we weren't doing that, we were doing crazy like CrossFit stuff with this like, military guy. And like, yeah, or like going, I, I went and did like stunt stuff so that I could um, work on my like seizure um, things and Ridley could like sign off on what I was doing was right. And yeah, like uh, it's so long ago. It's like five years ago. But um, yeah, it was it was lots of fun.
in terms of so when Ledward is first really introduced to the audience, you're walking off the ship um, with the crew and everyone's going exploring. They're going to go find the, the beacon or whatever. And you end up, your character ends up taking a different route with Karen Orem. Mm-hmm. What was that like in terms of how long would that shoot take? Because you're, you're walking, you're moving, and then you go to another location and she's exploring the, the algae or whatever. Um, and of course, for again, as you know, for your character, that's one scene. But then your your major scene is something completely different, um, probably on a set. But how long was the first p- portion of that shoot for you? Uh, we were in New Zealand. We went to Milford Sound in Fiordland, um, South Island. It's beautiful there. Um, every, pretty much everything you see there is is like not doctored. Apart from, yeah, apart from parts of the lander and everything. But um, that shoot we were in, we did exteriors in New Zealand for two weeks. So that first part of that week was a lot of uh, Carmen Ijogo, Karin and myself, kind of the developing of my sickness after that first moment. Um and the second half was the other exteriors there with them kind of doing their thing. And, and how then, much of that was was chronological, just, just out of curiosity? Because you land on the planet, right? And then you have this gradual deterioration that has to come across with makeup yeah. and all these other things. Was that shot pretty chronologically or no? I don't quite remember. Um, I just remember that. Like, yeah, I'm, maybe it wasn't. I, I remember them being like, you're like medium sick now and you're <laughs> like, you're starting, you're like, you, you have like maybe a little cough and like now you're medium sick and now you're like three quarters sick. Now you're really sick. Like, yeah, pretty simple directions, really. <laughs> really? Interesting. I was just curious about like in terms of the, the stages of sickness, like what do they tell you? What are you feeling? Like you feeling you're you feeling a tightness in your chest. Now it's now it's deeper. Now it feels like maybe your heart's constricted. Like what what were what was the actual direction in terms of how you play that externally? I love that Ridley just lets you kind of go with it. Um, and if he wants more, he'll tell you he wants more. And if he wants less, he'll tell you less. And I, I think that's why his actors really love him because he trusts them. When you have a director that trusts you, you, you do good work. For and sure. that's and that started from the start with him trusting me with just one audition, you know. So you you don't feel like you have to go through these rounds to prove that you're worthy of the role. Someone thinks you already are. So you get to bring what you have to the fore and and run with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems like something we've heard from others who have worked with him in other capacities in the past as well is that his intuition is so strong and he just, when he knows something is going to work, he just decides on it. Mm-hmm. But um, it must've been pretty, I mean, cause your part of course is, is very pivotal in the movie and, uh, and you seem so perfectly suited for it. Like your performance is completely indelible in that, in that moment, but like you didn't even Thank screen you. test with Carmen Ajogo or anything like that before this. No, no wow. not at all. That's amazing. No, we just had some, some hangouts on set and then go to shoot. She She's a mother and I know I remember really saying to her, like, treat, treat him like it's it's like you're, this is, he's almost like a child who needs your help right now. And those are a great note. And we just kind of held each other's hands in between takes to get like 
our tactile like relationship and you know uh, just to kind of get into the those moments together because they were hard and they they were it was cold and uh they were long days so it was um it was grueling but it it was it was never a it was never really a, a bummer it was never a bummer at all so when you transition from Ledward being sick, let's move him. Let's take him back to the, the, the ship, the, you mm-hmm. know, the, the ship that everyone, you know, had, had deboarded from. Where is that actual stage or where is that set at? Is that in a studio in New Zealand? Uh, that's at a, a Fox studios in Sydney. Okay. Yeah. So we flew back to Sydney and did the rest there. I think they shot for another two months or something there. You were there for another two months? No, I was there for another, I was only there for another, maybe only three weeks after that. Yeah. And then we did my death over maybe a whole like week and a bit. What was that week and a bit like for you? I mean, I know you were in makeup for hours every day, (sighs) right? It must've been so grueling. It was, I love it. I I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, you got to work for it. And you know, if it is grueling, it only makes the production look better. <laughs> um, no, I I loved it a lot. I'm I don't mind the makeup chair. I kind of you just find your space, and then yeah, I mean by that stage, after boot camp and having six like five or six layers of clothing with like back weighted backpacks that are like fucking heavy, you're so fit that like. They're like, do another take. And you're like, great, I can go again. Like your body's, your body's just fucking, I've never been that ripped in my life. It was wild. It's like Hollywood ready, full on. <laughs> the, the MCU treatment, right? We yeah. actually, we, we uh, so the, we were going to be joined by another of our contributing hosts, Christian, for this today. But today is his 15th anniversary. Happy anniversary, Christian. Oh, happy so, anniversary, Christian. Good excuse to not be here today, but he gave us a lot of costume questions for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're kind of hinting at a couple of them now. So I'm I'm going to slip a couple in quickly. One is uh, your backpack is enormous in this movie. It seems like it might even be the largest among the whole security detail. What exactly was in there and what was that like to carry around? Mine was the heaviest. And I'm trying to remember why now. I remember the first day of shooting and as we're walking out of the lander, I kept having to like find an apple box to like sit on because <laughs> I was like, I, I, this is fucked. Like, was it, did I have like the antenna on it or something? Yeah. Hanging off the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think, I don't know why they gave that to me, but <laughs> <laughs> but they did. Um, yeah. I don't know why Ledwood had that, but. Yeah, there wasn't any description for that, unfortunately. I could make something up. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you're the one who has the right to do that. But it was it was actually That's heavy. And you were also you were wearing uh, motocross boots, correct, for this? I or think like- so. They were all directed, but they were all um, designed by Janty Yates and Craig Green. Craig Green. An incredible conceptual British artist, um, designer. Um, yeah, he, I, he wanted to go with that. That very like um, I guess I guess like motocross look. That, yeah, the like Prometheus. I feel what did they have in Prometheus? It was more like they had the, like black suits, right? With the very yeah, sleek, like dark blue. Yeah. yeah, they're blue and white. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. had like orange uh, tubing on the outside. I think. Oh, that's right. That's right. 
Yeah, yeah. you guys were a lot more utilitarian. And I think uh, the look of the characters in Covenant were a little bit more familiar in terms of the look of the characters in the original Alien. There was a little bit more of a, a visual connection there. I'm curious, in terms of costumes, was each costume created and made and sewn for each of you, or did they use a lot of existing things? Um, because obviously there's layers, so you can kind of build a costume that way with layers and create a look. But again, knowing it's Ridley Scott, you know, each costume could have been specifically made for everyone. Yeah, they were, they were, they're always made for each one of you. Um, okay. Um, they always have like a, a concept drawing and then you go in for you go in for all your fittings and then they pick which ones work the best. That was another part of going up to Sydney during those like prosthetic things. Like you have a costume fitting and it takes pretty much like half a day where you're trying on a bunch of stuff and they sign off on it. <laughs> Got it. So uh, I, I want to go to the scene in question momentarily just to kind of break it down a little bit more. But before I do, I, I'm curious, when did you meet Ridley Scott and what was that like? Like, what, what was he saying to you? What, what did it Because we haven't gotten to speak with him yet. Maybe someday. What was it like? Uh, it was great. I mean, um, you just have to tell yourself to keep your cool around someone like that. Um, <laughs> but he was super friendly and kind of puts you at ease straight away. Um, I just thanked him and said, thank you for casting me in this. And um, yeah, I think the first time we met was when it was the first day of boot camp, and it was all of us there, like the whole cast. And he showed us the room, which was like the concept room or like the the Bible room, which is... um, and it was just like wall to wall of drawings and you know his sketches and reference pictures and everything and it was it was incredible um and he as you know he he used to work in commercials so his sketches are just gorgeous um he storyboards everything himself um so that was the first time we all saw him and then the first time I got him in private was when I was having like makeup uh, trials done on my ear and he came and like sat next to me and my friend, um, I, I was friends with Kate Dickey from Prometheus on, yes. in, on Instagram and she's she, awesome. she's so great. Um, and I was like, Oh, you cast my friend Kate in Prometheus is like, oh yeah, say say hi to her for me. And then um so that was a that was a good end to like ease my nerves. And then um he looked at the makeup and he's he's like, mm, looks he's like looks he's like looks scary, is like, but the the rest is up to your acting. And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow, no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. So I fucking went for it and <laughs> Question um, for that short film called The Crossing, or no, The Last, the Last Supper. Supper. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was that directed by Ridley Scott? Uh, no, it was directed by his son, Luke. Right, Luke. Yeah. And was that done specifically for the promotion, or was that done as just another scene you filmed for the film that uh, went on the cutting room floor? Um, that was separate. Okay. Yeah. They they gave us some scripts like a couple of days before, and they're like, "We're going to be shooting this on Friday." for half a day because I think they had James Franco for like two days and then they were like, he'll be gone after that. So um, let's just shoot this, have some fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that would make sense because honestly, I don't know how you, how you would place that scene in the film. 
because it's before and in totally. the film they're all in cryo except for walter so it makes sense but there's just been a lot a lot of people love that scene um it just felt uh really about character and um of course it reminds us of alien and there's some easter eggs there on the table and just sure. some lines it was a really really great scene but uh, we were just kind of curious how it all came about but getting back into the scene in question um at so there's a point where when you're on the table and you're shaking in your and your whatever and things are getting worse and worse And then there's a transition where there's a break or there's a the, the, your back does a thing. Um, is it in terms of the shoot? Are there enough cameras? Because we know that Ridley likes to shoot with like three or four cameras mm -hmm. to get all of his coverage and then kind of move on because he shoots very quickly. Um, with that scene before any of the prosthetics are happening, was that like done in a day? And then the next maybe six days are you in prosthetics um, and then figuring out what this is going to be? Um, they had, I'm not really sure how many cameras are used on those specific interiors. I think maybe they, I don't know. I was like told to seizure and that's what I did. So <laughs> I, I don't really remember much else. Um, but uh, I, I, they did have a full like body double, like uh, they had a body double of me who was like a contortionist, which is who does like when I fall back, who mm -hmm. did that. Um, so I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but they had a full like a silicon like mold of me which they could like push stuff through. Oh, wow. So they could really like get like a, a, a fair idea of like, they could push the alien through it and then they could do the rest in like post, I guess. But yeah, I don't really remember how many, I remember they had like with the lead up to that scene, they had like a camera here and they had another camera that like down the end of the hall and then a camera in the med bay. So they had them kind of positioned out for that like frantic chase to or frantic like stumble to the to the med bay. But um, in the actual room, I'm not I don't really remember. In terms of the set itself. So it, it feels like it fits together like a real ship would. But it, like when Amy Simons is running down the hallway over to the cockpit from the med bay, like is that actually contiguous to the set you were filming in? Or are we talking about like multiple sets? Some of them did link up. Um that one in particular did not that was a separate the what we go up in uh what what we when the land when we uh come down in the lander that's mm -hmm. its own separate thing and that was wild that it was like full hydraulics every like it was this we climbed up a ladder to get into it wow we like had these like it was everything was so real 
and then it's like you're at movie world you know or like at, at uh like six flags except yeah it, it's not like a roller coaster it's like you're in like universal studios you know but you're actually getting paid to be there so we're all like strapped in and like these dps have like are like seat belted into the ground so that they don't go flying and <laughs> like those huge cameras <laughs> this the, like thing is like mo- like pretty like shaken pretty hard um so yeah like uh, the best thing about films with big budgets who use their budgets correctly is like you you don't really have to do too much of the work you or you just get to do like your part of the work you don't have to like convince anybody through some some other like you don't have to pretend you're shaking around because they're doing it for you so you just get to play the role at what point did you end up seeing the final trans transition transformation back bursting i only saw the the film when it uh went at the premiere really yeah okay. i hadn't I seen it maybe before they that. might have shown you dailies or something oh I, i'd seen some i saw some dailies yeah like oh well not dailies i i saw some like replays of of stuff when it was done, I was like, can I watch some playback? And they showed me, I was like, oh, okay, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so during, the, I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier. Um, as a parent, uh, the scene has become increasingly resonant with me for the reasons you're talking about, where, where when you and and Carmen Ajogo were talking about almost like she's caring for you like a child. We've had like some, some you know, transient medical issues in our with our kids over the last couple of years that have kind of been freaky. They're good. But that scene plays in my mind uh, a bit as really the closest thing on film to what that feels like, because there's a sense of a spiraling out of you know, everything's normal and predictable. And then you're like, oh shit, like the stakes get very high very quickly and it feels very real. So when I watched that scene, it really, uh, as a parent, like brings me to this place of, of like real sort of stress. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm wondering when you were talking about this with Carmen, like, can you bring us more into those conversations about how, because it feels so real the way it unravels, you know, like how you, it starts with you just doing this kind of dickish thing with the smoking outside, you know, on the planet. And it just progresses within what feels like a matter of minutes to you vomiting blood, right? It's it's a real rapid progression. So um, in terms of like putting that together, what was your motivation and how how were those conversations as the as it was going on? I think for, we're, we're both very different actors, Carmen and I. Um, I'm very impulsive and I, I, I don't necessarily, um, I don't necessarily need to have like the beats every time I can, I love to improvise. Um, and she loves the beat. So she's like, what's the beat here? And what's the beat here? And what's the beat here? I was like, Oh, okay. I can fuck with that. I can work that way. And so I was like, here, I'm going to do this and here I'm going to do this and here this. And then we kind of had to get the movements of everything that we were doing, especially like, remember the part where we were like running and then I fall over and then she picks me up and then I vomit. And then like, we had to kind of choreograph that, but she really needed like to beat it out. Whereas for me, I'm like, let's just go for it. Like if, if, if it was me, like, yeah. So in that regard, like at one stage, I just remember at one stage, Ridley, like, he's like, so like she, she like couldn't quite understand how to like, like the the sequence and really was like so he's like are you ready to me i was like yeah yeah i'm ready to like film and 
he's, he's like showing her like we're going to be, and he starts running with me along this like beach <laughs> <laughs> in Milford Sound. And he's like, and then it fall over and then he like picks me up. And then I'd like pretend to vomit. And she's like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> like, and then we we're shooting. Um, but in terms of like the emotional stuff, um, that's all very like in the moment for me. Um, I don't like to do it too much because then it becomes kind of contrived. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just something that we found at the time. I was like, oh, this is how we're going to get there if we do this every take. Like if we, if we're just there for each other, because this is a really like tender moment where we're both starting to realize something is really wrong. And it's like that moment where you, it's really still. <laughs> um and so to find that through like Ridley, Ridley, like Ridley gives such simple direction. He's like, it's like caring for your kid. And then it changed. Like we couldn't get it at first. He's like, changing for your kid. We got the take like done. Yeah. You have to make that psychological connection and then it all makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, I'm interested in, I would imagine the entire shoot of a film like this is something that you'll never forget. It'll always be in your memory as something amazing, definitely work. But was there a moment maybe a couple of moments that stick out to you is like, this was one of the, my favorite times shooting this film and it was this day and blah, blah, blah. It was all great. I loved shooting. I loved shooting the, the seizure scene. It, it was great. It was super hard work and it paid, it paid off. Um, people ask me like, is that CGI? Like that seizuring? I'm like, no, I, that's, <laughs> that's my body. <laughs> And there was like a there was a body double on standby who like could do it. We didn't need him. So, <laughs> did you have a movement coach for that or anything, or that was all you? Um, they just kind of told me they're like, do more of this with like yeah. That there was a stunt guy, and he's like really wants to see it more like something's like punching you from the inside. And I was like, oh, that's a really good note. Cool. So like rattling around. Mm. Did you ever, did you go back and look at the the bursting, the chest bursting scenes from the prior films to get a sense of, oh, okay. Or did, were you more like, I want to, this to be completely unfettered, completely separate from things that people have seen before? I mean, obviously, or not obviously, but I would imagine that you might get some direction like, no, this is different. What they're doing, what John Hurt did, what these other actors did in these roles was very different than what you're going to be doing. And uh, no, I wanted it to be my own. I, as soon as I read the script, I, I knew what I was going to do. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm, Oh, as soon as I read the script, I was like, Oh, he's a, he's a dick. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely started to like focus weirdly, like focus on like my mouth. I wanted to like be smoking and like, cause he's smoking and I wanted to be like, like spitting, like fucking with this planet, you know, because he's the reason this shit starts first. So yeah, like I, because it is such a, I guess it is, I do have such a small role in this film, but it is a big role in many ways. Um, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be remembered. So I wanted it, it had to be big. It had to be, and mm-hmm. it's the first one. It had to be scary and it had to be. And in, and that's why I love Ridley's note with like, it's like a child because there are moments where like, 
I look up at her and I am like this kid <laughs> and then it just goes downhill and, you know, I start off as this like wannabe, you know, chest out bravado army military security guy and then it, you know, the, those layers get very quickly peeled away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an overlooked part of why it's a complex performance. And, and I, I really want to give you kudos for that because having seen Covenant so many times now, um, you know, I've paid much more attention to what's going on in the background, like post landing sequence, for example. And Ledward is a fully realized character, even when you're not the center of the frame. You know, the choices that you make really speak to him being sort of like an outsider who's there, but he's not as excited about it as the rest of the group. And he's just sort of there to do his job and he's not really thrilled about it, but he's going to do it anyway. And then like, you know, his, the changing nature of his relationship with Corinne, how, when things start to deteriorate, Ledward goes in this place where he becomes nice, you know, that to me, like that, for some reason, that moment to me is more, almost more powerful than the actual backbursting itself, because you start to try to make her feel like things aren't as bad as she thinks they are. Right. Yeah. As you're running to the ship, <laughs> that sequence you were talking about, you reassure her for a moment. Um, and you say like, it's okay, I'm going to be okay. Just give me a second. Right. And, and that is something that I think many of us who have been in distress in our lives or have been in situations that are frightening can relate to where you try to sort of make sure everybody else knows that it's going to be okay, even though it's like clearly not. So the way that Ledward goes from being this kind of douchebag gung ho security detail member to a real human in this little transitional liminal space between life and tragedy. Right. And then, but that way, when you come into that tragic side of the equation, Ledward is a human for the first time in the movie. Right? Totally, totally. That I think that's part of why it's so effective to me. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet that you've looked that deep into my character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very flattered. Of course. Well, I'm curious, did you take anything from the set? Did they give you anything? Do you have any mementos from that time? I might have, uh, I, I might have uh, gotten a few patches. Nice. Yeah, which I still have. And I made friends with the writer and he gave me some, um, they're copies, but they're like master copies of um, Ledward's um, storyboard of death. Wow. Drawn, drawn by Ridley. Which writer? Uh, John, John Logan. yeah, yeah, okay. and Ridley um, drew the, those are the Ridley grams of his death sequence. Yeah, wow. Um, and I got a, a cap with, but it, it's like I I wore it hiking a few times and it's got like sweat through it now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes it even you sell it even more that way. Yeah, I mean, not sell it like sell it, but like yeah. it weathers it. Believability. Probably. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I got to be in the film, so yes, I, you guess, did. I guess I don't need much. <laughs> how, and how cool is that shit? You know, and I, I guess that's that brings me to, to my final thing, which before I ask, I want to say to people, follow Benjamin on Instagram. 
if you don't already, it's B Rigby, right? That's your handle. That's me. Brigby. Um, Brigby. Yeah. Because he uh, is an incredible photographer. We were talking about this before we started recording, but he does 35 millimeter film photography and other, other types. So he's a professional who's had exhibitions and things too. In addition to being a filmmaker and an actor and all these other things, he's a, a really legitimately gifted photographer. So I really urge you to check him out on Instagram and elsewhere. Also to check out Godzilla. When I saw you on Godzilla vs. Kong, I was like, holy shit, it's Ledward. <laughs> I saw you in that movie and I was so excited. He's still doing a lot of really great acting work. So make sure you check him out, you know, for updates on that as well. Something else that we were talking about a little before we started was how iconic the scene has become and how it's become something that, um, you know, I think alien fans around the world have widely embraced as being a part of our shared history and not just the history of the films that have made it and the films that have failed, but the film moments that stick with us in our hearts in a very deep way. And, um, and, and I, so you are a part of one of those moments and, and I'm curious, do you have a sense of that? Do people bring this up with you a lot? Is this something that kind of follows you wherever you go? Um, not really. Um, I personally, I'm really proud of this film. And for me, that's the most important thing. Um, if it reaches other people then fantastic, if it continues to reach other people in the future and for times to come, then great. If not, no big deal. But I'm, I was, this, this film got me to America. I live here now and I'm grateful to it in many, many ways. It, it, um, it was probably the best time of my life so far filming that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. If in like a block of time, that's the thing I constantly think of and have great memories. Well, with that, uh, is there anything you want to plug? I mean, can you talk about anything that you're working on now? Um, where can people I'm see actually you next? not working on anything right now. Um, okay. COVID was rough. Um, stuff's been shut down. It's ramping up again. I'm hoping to work on another short early next year with a good friend of mine. Um, just me and him in the desert. Some weird... Uh, another another strange short film but um that's a passion project of mine in the in the meantime i'll just take photographs and wait for the right role well thank you so much for coming on our show thank you for taking the time this morning um and we appreciate it and we are excited to hear what people have to say about your experiences on alien covenant it is a controversial film my favorite is the first half of the film. I absolutely love it. I think it's just dynamite, dynamic, um, but it's something that uh, Alien Covenant gives us. The, when we talk about this film on the show, we get the biggest audience. People love it. It's a really complex <laughs> film that ha people have a lot of opinions over. So to have someone, not just someone, you on the show talking about your experience in this very iconic scene is more than we could ask for so thank you thank you so much for having me I'm, i hope i can uh hope i gave some new insight that people didn't know before definitely did thank you my friend appreciate it thank you for more on perfect organism the alien saga podcast please visit perfectorganism.com Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.